Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. All right. Uh, well, I got a great word. I, I've been waiting, anticipating all day to share this word. And I know I, this word is for me. So I hope you enjoy me preaching to myself tonight. I'm going to release it, then I'm going to go home and watch it and get encouraged. And if you get encouraged along the way, great, good for you. I really showed up to hear the word myself tonight because I needed to hear this word. Praise the Lord. Have you ever had to move? Move houses? Have you ever done a big move? I don't mean a, a short move like you're in this apartment and then you move to two apartments down and you just did a series of carryovers. I mean, maybe you moved states. I, my family has done some big moves. We moved from the island of Maui, two blocks from the beach. Ho, oh, living in the sunshine. Oh, hearing the waves at night. How? We moved from the islands to what they would consider the mainland. That's a big move. We packed up things from the word of the Lord. It's, it, it had to have been dreams and visions and angels talking to me before I would leave the beach and move. We did. We packed up. It took a long time, a lot of effort. Anybody that's done a big move like that, you realize moving is horrific. Anybody with me? It's horrific. We also moved. We moved from Maui to Oregon, and we were there for a short time. And then the Lord directed us to move from Oregon to here. We've done two big moves. I never want to do another one ever again. It could be why, you know, part of the way God's going to keep us here is the nightmare of moving. And there's not another way to describe it. Now, maybe you have not done a big move, or maybe you did, and you're just like so amazing it wasn't a nightmare. Don't come talk to me after church. I don't want to know your name. You may not be a real human being because most people who do a big move of some kind encounter one of life's most arduous tasks. And there's some interesting phenomenons that happen in moving. Before I get going, hey, you already started my countdown clock. I haven't even started preaching yet. I'm just talking. Three minutes is, I've already lost three minutes. Keala. It's relational. It's relational, right, Minister Barry? One of the horrors we encountered in, in moving, we were in Oregon and we packed up all this stuff into the biggest U-Haul we could find and the, the stuff that wouldn't fit, we gave it away and then we stuffed our little Honda as full as we could fill it and then we drove up the Alcan. When we crossed over into the border, 
uh, the we had to go through the gates. I don't know if you've ever done this this lovely adventure. And uh, so they're asking questions. Do you have any firearms? Well, yes, I do. All right, where are they at? Well, they're way up in the front, buried in that U-Haul. So sorry. You can pull your U-Haul right over here. Take as long as you need, because you're going to have to get them out. Now, this is after we played Tetris with an army of people to get everything in. Now the sun's going down. It's getting cold outside, and we're trying to figure out how to get it all back in. They took my firearms, looked at them for about two minutes, gave them back, said, all right, have fun putting it all back in. Anybody ever had to do one of those? Think, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we know, we know, moving. Moving is horrific. That's why you can't get anybody to come help you move. Everybody knows. Oh, nope. Hey, I need some help over at my house. Really, what you doing? Oh, we're moving. <clears throat> so if you invited me to come help you move, don't, don't take it personal. It's not you. It's moving. Separate it. You have to separate it, you'll be, or you'll be deeply offended and think everybody hates you. They don't hate you. They hate what you're doing. They're not going to come help you move. If you found someone to come help you move, they probably vanished afterwards because they, you know, they li actually live in heaven and they get sent down as special messengers from the Lord. They're angels. Worst experiences ever, right? I'd rather get three root canals than help someone move. Back to back. Then help someone, not move myself help someone else. It's that bad. Everybody knows. I'm just trying to get on the same page here, making sure that we're all, we all understand because what I'm going to preach tonight has everything to do with the experience of moving. And some of the phenomenons that happen is these words, uncomfortable, frustrating, challenging, tiring. It's exhausting before you get out of where you were. It's overwhelming. It's full of pressure, and it is messy. Moving is messy, right? Stuff everywhere. There are some, a, a couple, there are two things that happen in moving that you didn't expect. The first one, I, I'm calling it revealing. There's things revealed when you start moving that you didn't know about or forgot about. You found some pets that you'd wondered where, what happened to them. They disappeared a long time ago. There's a revealing. Oh, there's that dog. And other stuff. I'm just throwing some humor in here. I'm kind of elaborating, kind of using hyperbole here a little bit because it's so funny. So there's a revealing and there's also a confronting. What are we doing with all this? You're confronted with junk in your house. That drawer, please, if you only have one, you might be real. If you have three or four, you need some healing in your life. You open it and it's just a mishmash of all kinds of stuff that you haven't looked at or touched in 20 years 
but you are so afraid to get rid of it. You might need it. Right? So there's a revealing of stuff. What are we doing with all? Why do we even have this? If you're a married couple and you're in a move, usually one of you wants to get rid of everything and the other one can't bear to get rid of anything. There's a confronting there of of what is really needed here. So we leave Oregon. You're still running down the clock. I haven't even read the text yet. I'm going to run. Thank you. Look at that. It started all over. Oh, I about tripped. <laughs> Pastor Daniel will be back Wednesday. <clears throat> For those of you that enjoy his preaching. So we're in Oregon. And we had to pack things up. And so we, we're limited in space. And we have more stuff in our house than will fit inside the U-Haul. So then you have this, again, a confrontation, not, not mean, but you have to decide what is actually going in the U-Haul. So my wife, my wonderful, amazing wife, decided there was this rocking chair. <laughs> decided there was this rocking chair. <laughs> Is there anybody that just likes to throw stuff away? Because that's who I need to preach to for just a moment. Minister Jan. Minister Jan. Minister Jan. This rocking chair was old, worn out, and it needed to constantly be fixed. And yet, it makes it on the list. And every time we stopped for a picnic all the way up at the Alcan, I have to move this obtuse thing out of the way. Does anybody have those things? And you're just like, why do we even have this? My wife had a, a series of reasons as to why she, we, we, we needed the blessed rocking chair that is now not here. In fact, I was like kind of doing a tabulation thing. I'm pretty sure 90% of the stuff that was in that U-Haul is no longer in our house today. But we hauled it all the way up here. I loaded it twice. The nightmare of moving, right? Why do we even have all this stuff? You can't find anything. In the process of moving, you're so disjointed, you can't find your toothbrush. Who, where's my deodorant? I don't know, I'll borrow yours. Can I use your toothbrush too? Because I can't find mine. Can't get laundry done. And then there's the, the, the emotional disconnecting from the place that you loved. And it adds stress in there. Because with a move, there comes things that you missed that you didn't really realize until they're not going to be there anymore. And this isn't a big move. So you got to start all new in places. I wonder how we check our mail. You know, I wonder where the best place to get groceries are. Where are we going to get, where are we going to get the kids teeth cleaned? Right. That's a big one in my house. 
You got to learn ins and outs of the location. Everything's starting all over new. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just making sure we're on the same page here. You know, there's times in, in, in our life that God will orchestrate that in your life. And that's what I want to share with you. You can start the timer now. That was all just for fun. It wasn't even in the intro. It was just for fun. Just kidding. There are God, God, sovereign God, maker of heaven and earth, has amazing plans and intentions for your life. And most of them will not happen without a big move in your life. I don't mean a physical move. It might include a physical move. I'm talking about an internal move. I'm talking about a rearranging in your mind, in your heart, and the way you operate, some of your belief systems, some things that have to get unbelieved, and some things that need to be added in. And that process is very much the same as a big move. And I want to share with you in the Word, you find this over and over again. So I want you to think about some of the transitions, let's use that word, some of the transitions that take place in the Word where people were left disjointed, but it was God's great intentions for them to be so, to go through the rigorous, frustrating, challenging, overwhelming move. You've got, uh, you know, you've got the children of Israel leaving Egypt, and they missed a whole lot of things. They were so frustrated. They kept missing their leaks and complaining to Moses. God is in the process of transitioning them from Egypt to the promised land. And they go through a whole series of things to unlearn what they learned and to start to understand who God is. There's a Noah after the flood. You talk about a transition. You go out and it's all gone. There's a transition. Moses finds himself called by God. He just ran away. He's being a shepherd now somewhere else, thinking everything else is, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Poof, there's a bush on fire. And what? Uh, what's going on here? No, no, you need somebody else. Big transition right there. Moses dies. Joshua takes over. Whoa, there's a big change. Moses, the mighty man of God who parted the sea, is dead. Uh, who are we following now? Joshua? Let's see how this goes. How about when Jesus died? We just watched a wonderful production last week put on by our music department and many others. Great job. So thankful that you did that. One of the scenes in there is just so relevatory for, for this message. Jesus they sing this song, Where Has Jesus Gone? Is that the song? Yeah, they're sitting there going, okay, now what? This is not what it was. My favorite story of transition comes from what has become my favorite book in the Bible over the last few, just a couple of years here. I've just, just so much enjoyed reading it. It's the book of Ruth. So would you take your Bible and would you turn to the book of Ruth? And I'm going to read a couple of texts. I've got some practical things to point out. I don't have, uh, you know, Greek translations and Hebrew translations for any big words tonight. I just have some practical things that I need to hear myself because I am personally living in some of the things I described there. If you want to know more about that, you can ask my wife. She can tell you all about it. Ruth. Chapter 1, 
And if you would, would you stand with me? And let's read together. And I'm going to start, how about verse 3? says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both her sons, got some names I'm not very good at pronouncing, died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. She heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi, verse 8, said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. And there for a few verses, Naomi's encouraging him, No, just go back. Let's pick up verse 14. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. We're going to pick up Uh, a little more of the story in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Quicken in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have a picture of a big move here. We have Ruth going with Naomi. And there's a few thoughts from this I want to point out. If you're a note taker, I'll try to help you, you know, give you the, the bullet points here. But if you're not, I just want you to hear these main points. Because many of you may be experiencing what I'm currently experiencing, and that is there's a transition happening. Not something I chose myself, but I find myself seeing it clearly. And some of the very very descriptions that we all just identified with regarding a big move Those very things happen when God starts to move you out from where you are to move you to the next place along to see his plans and intentions come about. And we have some important choices to make in that. And the first thing I want to point out here is transition for Ruth began before she ever chose to go with Naomi. Some things had happened to predicate the move back to Judah. Their husbands had died. The moment their husbands had died, transition began. Something changed and shifted. They didn't have any options. There was no choice in the matter. Their husbands had died. There needed to be some change take place. 
They were left without the support. They were left without the man of the house, protection, and all the things that came with their husbands being there. And there needed to be something happen to remedy it. So transition had already began. They set out, they packed up, they're headed down the road, but there came a choice in the matter for Orpah and Ruth. There there came a choice of going back or going forth. See, transition had begun, but they had a choice in the matter of how they were going to respond to the extreme, you know, the extreme circumstances that they found themselves face to face with. They were being confronted with heading into the unknown or staying back and where I'm familiar with and what I'm comfortable with and just trying to figure it all out because I don't like what's happened here. Now, before I go any farther, I want to draw a line between our life being in chaos and dysfunction because of poor choices we've made and stupidity on our part because that will definitely bring chaos into your life, that is not what I'm declaring today. That is, that's too easy to figure out. If you're a liar and you're greedy and you're immoral, you're just inviting all the demons to come screw your life up. That's not what I'm preaching about today. I'm talking about God orchestrating something in your life where you're living righteous, you're doing good, you're serving with all your heart, you're in your life group, you're worshiping, you're giving, and yet somehow you find yourself experiencing with what feels like a big move. And you find those things happening. I'm here to tell you, God will do that to you. And he, it's in his wisdom and his good intentions for you to experience that. So let's go back to Ruth here. Just wanted to make sure there was a clear delineation there. So transition had begun. Ruth's husband died. And the Lord, the Lord's plans and intentions, he had to get Ruth out of Moab for them to take place. Muth, Ruth, Muth. Is it still Sunday? Ruth had to leave Moab behind. So important to understand that God's good plans and intentions weren't going to take place unless she got out of Moab. And I'm here to tell you every person has to get out of a horrible, sinful life before the goodness of God will start to show up in your life. Every person has to make that choice. There's also the choice of leaving behind patterns of dysfunction. You know, you can give your life to Christ and and, uh, have him cleanse you of all sin. But there's more that needs to take place that you need to get out of to see God's good intentions and plans come about in your life. Patterns of thinking, patterns of believing that need undone. That's why it's so important that you get in a life group and you hear the word. You hear the word bash the lies of the devil or things that you've bought into in your life that you believe about God. You know we have a fractured viewpoint of God? 
We constantly need our eyesight corrected by the word to see God the right way. Ruth had to get out of Moab. She had to leave it behind. When she left Moab, she was leaving her people. She wasn't leaving Ruth. Uh, she wasn't leaving Naomi's people. Naomi's people lived in Judah. Ruth left her language group, her culture group, everything that was comfortable. She knew where to get the broccoli, the best broccoli, and where to get the, the dozen eggs. She knew where to get her teeth cleaned at the dentist. She left all that in Moab. She had to get out of there. God needed her out of there. And just as a big move makes you confronted with the question of do we really need all this? Do we really need all this? You open a drawer and go, what am I doing with this? By the way, my, my good advice is just set it all on fire. Drive off. It's all going to show up anyway. There's probably three Walmarts in the town that you're moving to to get more of it. Just burn it all. Don't go home and set your house on fire and blame it on me. I'm just kind of speaking you know, in a colloquialism, a Western American colloquialism, Okay metaphors that we all know. Torch it. If I had to redo the, the move from Oregon to here, we would have gotten a very much smaller U-Haul or none. But there's some things that need to be left behind for you to see God's plans and intentions come about. Moab's got to be in the rearview mirror and stay there. So the next thing I want to point out here, uh, verse 10, verse 10, the difference in verse 10 and verse 14. So if you look at verse 10 with me, both Orpah and Ruth kiss their mother-in-law, weep together and say, we will go back with you to your people, but not in verse 14. Changes, something changes here. Orpah decides to go back, Ruth goes forward. I want you to know in this in a, in a God big move, in a big mood from God, a, a transition, whatever it might be, however you want to say it, not everybody's going along with the journey. In fact, there might be some people to discourage you. There might even be some people that tell you you're, you don't know what, you, you've lost your mind. Not everybody's going to go along on that journey. You know, there's transitions that, and, and like big moves that, churches make, and not everybody can go along on that journey. You know, as a pastor, uh, and our pastoral team would wholeheartedly agree, we want everyone to be along for the journey. We want everyone to go along with every transition that comes, the growth. Some people just don't want growth. I can't imagine, not, I can't imagine reading this, especially the book of Acts, and not desiring God to bring growth and impact in a city and more people. Some people think our building's too big. Well, it all, it's going to hold, you know, at one time, it could hold a couple of thousand people. Wow, is that a lot? Well, how many people live in Wasilla? So do the math. Do some subtraction of how many people are not in the building. Not everybody goes along on the journey. 
We, we've got to have a tremendous release of finance for our building to get it built, to see it paid off. Well, guess where it's coming from? It's coming from us. Not everybody can swallow that. Not everybody is a part of a fellowship like this to give. There's many people, they're only here because they want to receive something. It needs to be a change of heart. Not everybody can go along that road. That's just reality. Not everybody goes along on the journey and other things. The next thing is that uh, Ruth had to adapt to the new. The old had to go. She made a commitment to the unknown. She had no idea what she was going to encounter. She knew a little bit from being around Naomi, the mother-in-law, of what her people were like, what her God was like. But she had, made, she had to make a commitment that whatever's down that road, I'm all in. And when God starts to move you in some kind of spiritual vitality big move or a ministry move or whatever it might be, there has to be a, 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 a decision on our part. I'm all in for this. Oh, yeah, it's frustrating. Oh, yeah, it's perplexing. Oh, yeah, uh, some of the way I used to do things aren't, aren't working like they used to, but I'm all in. God, I'm all in. Whatever it is you want to change and do, I'm all in. Your people are going to be my people. Where you die, I'm going to die. Listen to the words of her commitment. Verse 16, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people be my people. Your God, my God. That is 100%. I'm all in. Bring it on, whatever it is. And there has to be, in our life, there has to be a commitment to walk with the Lord in such a way. There's a lot of people that when some sort of ripple shows up and their boat starts moving a little bit, they all of a sudden think, that totally can't be God. God would never tip my boat. And they're not in. God, God is totally into tipping your boat. Uh, Ruth, Ruth had to overcome a tendency on our part that we need to see, we need to understand the end result before we decide if it's worth the effort. You know, that's, that's, you know, kind of the way we like to decide things. And sometimes that's really wise. You know, I, I need to know the outcome before I make a trade in somehow. But in this instance, when it came to what God had in her life, she wasn't given what's going to happen it was only go down the road with Naomi and see what it is. The commitment to the unknown can be a scary thing. <laughs> they were going to be in such a dire... Look at, this, look at this. She didn't know that Naomi and her were going to be in such a dire circumstance of food. Now, I want you to see this. I, and I hope you've read the book of Ruth because I'm just going to act like you have. If you haven't, you need to go read the book of Luke. Uh, Luke. Is it still Sunday? Is anybody still in the coffee shop? Father, help us. You can read Luke too. But maybe you want to read Ruth to go along with this word. <laughs> right? <laughs> what? So 
she made this giant walk of faith. She's stepping out in faith, and yet they find themselves in such dire need of food. Now, you and I don't think that's what's going to happen when we step out in faith and obey God in such a great and dramatic measure. In fact, we will get and do get. I'm speaking about me. Really frustrated when we take a giant step of faith and we don't see evidence that we made a right decision. Right? I mean, it's really hard. God speaks to you, you obey, and you know, it doesn't turn out like you, you know, you thought it would. That's a re- that really happens. So Naomi and Ruth find themselves in one of those. They're in such a desperate need for food that Ruth up and decides, we've got to have something to eat. I'm going to go find a field and maybe they'll let me pick up some food out of their field when they're done. It's the very thing that leads her to her destiny. It's the very thing, the very dire need that their step of faith put them in unlocked her destiny. We don't think like that. We need to think like that. Lord, I'm all in. Whatever that means, I'm all in. Because he's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. He's the great orchestrator. You may find yourself in such desperate need that you go to somewhere to meet it, and lo and behold, it was God's plan all along. That's what this story's about. It's incredible. I think it's incredible. You will never have it all figured out. There's a lot of people that need it all figured out. I need to know the next step. I need to know what's next. God don't work that way. If he told you what's next, we'd be freaked out and not do anything. Hello, I'm up here preaching. This is not what I enjoy doing. I mean, imagine. I have a dream in Oregon, and the Lord says you're going to move to Alaska, and Pastor Daniel's going to have you preach. If I I hear that from the Lord, I'd be like, nope. Not renting the U-Haul. I'm not doing it. You don't want to know what all God has for you, because your faith today isn't going to hold it. He's going to work with you and get your faith moving and built up. And then there's like, surprise. I do puppets. Just let me do puppets, please. Behind the stage, nobody sees me. They don't even see my hand. I get to hide my hand. All I got to do is this. That's what I'd rather be doing. (laughs) Ruth made godly decisions in the midst of a big move. This is so important. Take a look at chapter 2. Open your Bible. Chapter 2, verse 11. Don't miss this. 
Ruth makes godly choices, righteous. She keeps herself righteous in the midst of a big move, which we all know what that brings in our life. Yet she keeps herself righteous and generous and holy before God. Take a look at this, 2.11. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law. Some of you, that would be a miracle just in that right there. (laughs) Since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland, came to live with the people you do not know, may the Lord repay you. She has made a series of decisions along the way that gave her a reputation she didn't know was going to be the key to Boaz caring about her. But she made righteous decisions, godly decisions in the midst of a very frustrating circumstance that ends up being the key to Boaz. That's being told all that she had been doing. Moving on, so transition began before Ruth chose to follow Naomi. Not everyone goes along on this adventure. Ruth had to adapt to some new things, and Ruth made godly choices in the midst of uncertain transition. The next thing I want to point out here, and again, I'm encouraging you, go read the book of Ruth. Chapter 1 is about her, her plight and her decision to move forward in transition. Chapter two is about the release of God's blessing and favor and protection and honor and an amazing testimony because she went through this big move, big transition. Boaz released all this provision and care for her that would have never been there had she had stayed in Moab. She didn't leave Moab because she knew Boaz was going to make all that happen. The Lord responded and took care of her. Not only that, her destiny was realized. She's the great-great-grandmother of King David. She marries, Bo- she marries Boaz. Look at, the, look at the line of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. There's his name, Boaz. It was Naomi's children's, children's children. Was King was Jesse, and his son was David, and his son, son, sons, and son, sons, and son. Jesus. <laughs> Don't you hate Matthew chapter one in the King James? You want some fun tonight? Go home and read it as fast as you can. In the King James. What does beget even mean? What language is that in? That can't be English. God's speaking to us. Nuan, leave Moab behind. Let it go. There's stuff you got to let it go. Stop trying to hang on to what used to be and get on with the new. Number two, embrace the transition. It looks like this. Yes, Lord. Come on, why don't you say that with me? Yes, Lord. Some of you had trouble just saying it right now. I know it's difficult. When you're in the middle of a big move and it feels like you've made all these right decisions, but it doesn't look like it, and it, you, know, you're, you feel like frustrated and you know, perplexed, and what is go- happening here? Yes, Lord. 
One of the things, personal things, one of the things that I've had to adapt to new in this Yes Lord season is telling people they're going to have to remind me they said something to me. It didn't used to be that way. It's almost it's kind of embarrassing for me because I have the ability to remember. Not anymore. The Lord has seen to it in his kindness that so much input is coming to me, I can't possibly keep up. Yes, Lord. I I have to humbly say, you're going to have to remind me. Makes me feel like I'm failing in some way if I can't remember something. However, yes, Lord. You're, You're doing something here. You're transitioning something, Lord. I'm all in for the big move. Embrace transition. Uh, brother, brother, somebody on the keyboard, if you would. There's like multiple keyboard people here. Just somebody, whoever feels like it, led by the Spirit, come up. Play. If you don't come up, I'll start to play. And then the Spirit of God will leave the room. So embrace transition. Love it. I'm freaking out. And I love it. Yes, Lord. You may not mean a word of that, but prophesy it. (laughs) Prophesy to yourself. I love that I can't get it all figured out and it's messy. Thank you, Lord. I can't find my toothbrush. Make a song up about it. I can't remember anything. (laughs) I honestly get shut down if that red thing is like facing me. Are you like taking pictures of me? At least let me... Next. I don't even know what number I'm on. Next. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked by how you feel about the transition. Because your feelings will drag you out of it. The way you feel and the frustration It can pull you out of the transition. That's why your commitment has to be, yes, Lord. And you make up a prophesying song. You got to stay focused on that God is orchestrating for you. Love it. And don't get sidetracked by how you feel about the... Let me say these words again. Uncomfortable, frustrating, challenging, tiring, overwhelming, messy, revealing, and confronting. Right? I know what I'm talking about because this has happened multiple times in our household. 
Last one is make a declaration of God's word. God, you're good. God, you're wise. God, you're the orchestrator. God, your promises are true. You know, there's times you just have to say those and keep saying them. Your mind needs to hear you say them. Your heart needs to hear you say them. Even if you don't believe them, you need to say them. Say them until you do believe them. Declare His Word. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.